Welcome to Challenging Christianity. I'm your host, Rebecca Kinnestrand. Do you consider yourself spiritual but non-religious? Agnostic? Or maybe you grew up in a church but don't believe what you were taught there anymore? This podcast exists in that space between all-in or all-out religion. Join us in asking questions that challenge the notions of Christianity. Welcome to Challenging Christianity. I'm Rebecca Kinnestrand. Daniel Dadashi is my co-host. And we have Pastor Mike Anderson back in house. Yay! Yay! He's a fan favorite. We're sharing a microphone, so I'm going to... I know. Well, Pastor Mike's back. We can't believe it. I know. It's fantastic. And we have the topic for Pastor Mike. So today's topic is... Well, should we do housekeeping? Sure. What do you want to say about iTunes? Oh, if you are listening to our podcast via iTunes... If you would rate and subscribe yes. to our podcast, that makes a big difference. If we get higher ratings, we show up higher in people's search. Um, so rate us five stars, just a recommendation from me. Five stars, nothing less. Okay, thanks. Um, we're going to talk about the Reformation, and I'm going to start because I know nothing about this. You were saying before we started, we always have the best conversations before we start recording. <laughs> You were talking about, well, I learned about the Reformation here and there and the other, and I'm like, I think I learned about it five years ago. I don't know. I mean, I just never got church history. It wasn't a thing that Catholics did. And so... Well, well, I imagine the Catholics have a different perspective on the Reformation <laughs> than Luther. Well, yeah, exactly. So nobody told me about it. They're like, never mind that. I actually do know. Okay, so I was in Taizé when I lived in France as a student. I went to Taizé, France, which is this ecumenical beautiful kind of, um, I don't know what you would call it. Retreat center. That's a good word for it. I didn't want to say monastery, but it kind of is. Anyway, uh, beautiful songs or whatever. And somebody was there and this, this young man had said something about, oh, changes to the church. And they were taught, we were talking about the Catholic church and he said 400 years too late. And it was my first clue in there was (laughs) anything like that happened before. So, I'm not good at this topic, and thank God we're going to get the, the real deal. Um, what do you want to say about it? Let's see. Well, so I learned about the Reformation in Confirmation, which is our kind of a Lutheran rite of passage time where mm. you do three years of study about your faith um, in middle school. Mm. And so I learned about the Reformation there, and I remember it helped me out because in high school we learned about the Reformation, and my teacher was very impressed that I knew my history. Ooh. I knew about the printing press and Johann Gutenberg. Oh, right. And that would, meant a big deal in my history class, that there was this dude named Martin Luther yeah. who we always picture him in a robe nailing a long <laughs> list of complaints to the front door of the church. That's kind of the image I always That is think the of. image, yeah, that he is looks, it. He looks... Uh, grumpy and with a bad haircut and he's listing his problems with the catholic church including indulgences i that was always a big thing we talked about a lot Ooh, that sounds good right it it always sounded yummier than i think it was supposed <laughs> well, to well i also always would get the reformation and the renaissance mixed up. <laughs> oh. pastor mike help, help. us out Oh my goodness, this is huge, huge, huge. Reformation, Renaissance, Gutenberg, Martin Luther, Catholic Church. Oh my goodness. So Uh, We've got an hour and a half. I think we have, what, really, 15 minutes, right? (laughs) No, we're going to go as long as it takes. Okay. And so I want to go all the way back. Let's start where, so Christ was born and he did his thing. (laughs) He died. (laughs) We're not going to get into the Is that whole... what you learned in the Catholic Church? 
He did his thing. He did his thing. Okay. It was awesome. It changed the world. So his people went around after that and knocked on doors saying, hey, this is the way. And they did that, you were saying, for 300 years? 300 years. So I find it interesting that you would say they knocked on doors and said, <laughs> this is the way. Yeah. So it's interesting. For 300 years, Jesus' followers were actually called people of the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. They were not necessarily called Christians right away. They were called people of the way. Okay. Meaning this thing that Jesus was doing was a path. Mm. Not a set of doctrines to believe in, but a path to follow in life. Mm -hmm. A path of kindness and compassion and justice and equality and giving yourself on behalf of others. It was a path to enlightenment, a kind of a spiritual path. Do we know who first coined them Christians? Well, um... You know, I personally don't know. They started being called Christians in the first century um, in a town called Antioch. And they were called by the name Christians as their followers. Very similar to how Lutherans, followers of Martin Luther, started being called Lutherans. When Martin Luther said, we shouldn't be called Lutherans. We should be called people of good news. People of uh, the gospel. Sorry, People it just doesn't have the ring. <laughs> yeah, it no. really doesn't. Well, you just get used to Lutheran. So anyway, people yeah. of followers of Christ became known as Christians, but they initially thought of themselves as people of the Christ way, mm -hmm. the path of life. Mm -hmm. And in the 300s, when the Roman Catholic Church took in Christianity as the official state religion, that's when the doctrines of the church developed. And the theories and the belief systems all develop and to be a Christian you had to adhere to a set of doctrines about mm. Jesus and that's when it was de-emphasized around the path following a path and so the definition of Christianity became more uh, a set of doctrines to believe in so the rather Romans than a path to follow the Romans ruined it <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I like the people of the way. That was beautiful. I know. It was a beautiful description and everything. And then it suddenly became about rules. It became about rules. Yeah. For century after century after century, which takes us another thousand years to the time of the Reformation. Okay. So you wanted to talk a little bit about the Reformation. Right. Oh, that's the topic. I just got sidetracked. Well, I did too. I took this down that path, <laughs> I, I, so. Well, I think it's important to go all the way back because I uh, really, I mean, I'm really the layperson here because when you're not taught any of this history, you don't, you're just kind of like, yeah, there was Christ and then there was Christians and that, you know, there you are. So thousand years, dark ages happen, bubonic plague, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then yes and then what happened well the roman catholic church really held western society together for those thousand years i mean secular political society almost degenerated to nothingness so in some ways i don't want to be too critical of the roman catholic church here the roman catholic church held society together um, by the 1500s we're coming out of the dark ages and we are establishing nations and Political systems are being renewed. So it is about that time that Martin Luther um, came on the scene. He was a, um, a monk, an Augustinian monk, Roman Catholic priest mm -hmm. who lived in Germany. And he had studied the Bible extensively. And he came to object to certain doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church. And he voiced his opinion. 
And his opinion was that we are put in relationship, we are put right with God, not by what we do, but by what God has done. That's the core of it. We mm-hmm. use the phrase in the Lutheran Church, we are justified by grace through faith. Justified means we're put right with God and ourselves, justified by grace, by God's grace, not by what we do. Not by what we do. By mm-hmm. simply trusting that God is in our so lives. So you don't need this list and you don't have these mortal sins that will send you to hell and so on. It's like, no, you, you have grace. You just need to pick it up. Correct. That's exactly right. You should do this. Yeah, you are now a Lutheran. I think I actually got that from one of your sermons, so I'm not going to take credit for yeah, that one. Yeah. So that was kind of the kernel at the core of the Reformation, this theological disagreement that Luther and his followers had with what was going on in the Roman Catholic Church. There are lots of other layers around this, including um, a significant amount of corruption within the Roman Church at the time. Um, the popes sometimes had to buy their way into their position. And there were multiple popes there were at time. That was a little bit beforehand. That's oh, more okay. in the 1400s. But by this time, we have popes who um, had children. <laughs> we had mm-hmm. popes who um, were using the wealth in ways that were not appropriate. Martin Luther actually made a trip down to Rome, and he walked through that wonderful city, and he saw the corruption of many of the priests and the popes of the time went back, studied scripture, and really came to the realization and the recognition that, you know, we need to reform. That's where the Mm -hmm. word comes from. We need to reform the church. Martin Luther never, ever intended to break away from the church. He simply wanted a reformation of the present church. Wasn't he afraid? I mean, I would think it would be not, I would think it would be kind of dangerous to talk out against such a powerful Mm -hmm. entity. Interesting that you would say that. Was, was Martin Luther afraid? Um, I don't know. He had an interesting personality. And he was like a bull in a china closet, mm. china, china shop sometimes. Mm. He just blurted things out. And I don't know if he was afraid. He says he was when he was put on trial in 1517. He said he was terrified. Oh, well, there but you go. He's he, put on yeah. trial. He yeah. continued to speak out and speak out. He had a, a deep sense of courage that... Um, I think was very important for us to understand. Um, the reason I'm hesitating is I'm thinking back in history of a guy named um, Johann Huss, who um, lived 100 years before Martin Luther, who said almost exactly the same things as Martin Luther mm. and was burned at the stake Yo, by the church. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, the stakes seem high on this. <laughs> Good one. Good one, Danielle. Good one, oh Danielle. My God. I can't help it. I, we bring her, I don't know why. Audience, 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 we must apologize for Danielle. Yes, he was burned at the stake. The stakes were high. Yes, get it, everybody. Okay. This is why they don't invite youth directors to most things. So, so um, moving on. that took place. I'm not going to move on from there oh, quite okay. yet because that happened only 100 years before Martin Luther. And um, Mr. Huss was a priest, and he spoke out, said the same things as Martin Luther, put on trial like Martin Luther was, and condemned died. to death, and burned at the stake. Well, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. yeah. So I Luther that, was that putting be... his life on the line. Right. What saved Martin Luther from obscurity, because, you know, there aren't many Hussites as a religious people out there today. However, for a number of years, there were people called Hussites. Uh, they don't. They no longer exist. Martin Luther survived, and his movement survived, primarily for two big reasons. One, 
the printing press, which Danielle alluded to earlier. It got his message out very quickly to all of Northern Europe. So Martin Luther's message of opposition to the Roman Catholic Church, his theological opposition, mm -hmm. spread through Northern Europe. But people were not only interested in a theological opposition to Rome, they were interested in simply being free of Rome's control and mm -hmm. Rome's taxation. Okay, so the political class. There's a this political up. class that right. This it was the modern up. day Twitter, the oh, press. Right? I like that. Mm -hmm. Modern day. I Twitter. mean, the old day I Twitter. Never thought right? of that before. But, <laughs> it's, uh, maybe it's the so. original Twitter. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. printing press. The printing press, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it developed such a following that that political following actually protected Luther from the power of the Roman Church at the time. I see. And all of Northern Europe started following around behind Martin Luther, and they protected him. So right after his trial, um, Martin Luther was protected by uh, someone named Frederick the Wise and Frederick the Great. Uh, no, excuse me, um, Frederick the Elector. And he protected Martin Luther in his castle called Wartburg Castle for over a year mm. from the Roman Church. And by that, when that year was over, the movement had spread so dramatically that the Roman Church could not send in its troops or its empire I troops. I see. Yeah, I knew there had to be something because I was like, burning at the stake seems to be where this would go. It seems like the natural progression. Because <laughs> if, if you were the Roman Catholic Church and you had this kind of power and someone was coming and questioning it, what would stop you from well, it's the same. ending it in any way necessary? It's the Jesus story. Another, I guess, a third dynamic of why Martin Luther was not burned at the stake was because the Roman Empire, which is called the Roman, Holy Roman Empire at the time, is a political entity aside from the Roman Catholic Church. So you've mm -hmm. got to remember there's two different mm -hmm. entities, the Roman Catholic Church mm -hmm. and the Holy Roman Empire. Mm. The Holy Roman Empire, uh, led by Charles V at the time, was also dealing with an invasion from Muslim Turkey going into Europe almost as far as uh, Vienna. And so he had to send his armies there instead of quelling this rebellion mm. of Lutherans he had to send his troops to stop the Muslims. So there was a, there oh. was a, 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 a stars aligned to save Martin Luther at this time. Wow, all right. So what was the, what did it take after this before we started seeing other churches cropping up, Lutheran churches and Calvinists? When did all that start happening? Well, we've gone quite deeply into theology or <laughs> history here, and I don't know about you, listeners, if you're interested in all this, um, if, if you are, you can look up other resources to study and to learn. We have in our own church library a number of resources for you to study. Um, so what happens next? So yeah. we've got Martin Luther, um, you know, he's getting this started, a movement is started, and then it begins to coalesce around um, political leaders, um, German princes, German leaders. And there were a series of wars actually between the Germans and the people who followed Luther and the Germans and the Italians and the others who followed the Roman Catholic Church. And there were significant wars for over a hundred years. It wasn't until 1648. So Martin Luther's on the scene in the early 1500s. By 1648, after many, many wars, one war in fact called the Thirty Years' War from 1618 to 1648, in some areas of Germany killed 30 to 40% of the people. 
wow. in the entire country. It was worse than World War II. So these were armies marching back and forth, living off the land, destroying village after village, all in the name of their particular religious belief. Mm. And to be honest, people got so exhausted from this religious warfare that by 1648, they separated religion from politics, or started to anyway. Mm. So they said, okay, we're going to have this nation, this nation, this nation, and you know, religious people will have to do their thing on their own. And that's where churches started to develop. So you separate the armies, essentially, from the church. Because um, if a church doesn't have an army, they can't go to war. The church never army. really had the armies. The but church, they were politically aligned with people who had armies. Aligned. Yeah. Correct, correct. And then during that time, different re religious leaders formed different churches. Martin Luther formed the Lutherans. John Calvin came a, a generation later. He, along with John Swingley, uh, began the Calvinist movement. The Calvinist movement, very different from Martin Luther and the Catholics. The Calvinist movement is what we probably um, see in America as the primary religion of America, Calvinism. The pilgrims were Calvinists, uh, followers of John Calvin, who taught things quite differently than Martin Luther. So not all Protestants are the same. Um, what? They're, they're very, <laughs> very different from each other. So in the Lutheran tradition, the Lutherans stayed fairly close to the Roman Catholic tradition, using the worship services of Catholicism and um, a lot of the traditions of Catholicism, as did the Episcopal Church in England. Yeah, you wear robes. We wear robes. The Episcopalians <laughs> wear robes. We are very close to that tradition. Um, in the in England, Henry VIII, you listeners probably have heard that name before. Um, Henry the, the, VIII, I am Henry VIII. Yeah, and the wives of Henry VIII <laughs> and all that. Um, uh -huh. He basically took the whole country of England out of the Roman Catholic Church so that he could get divorced. The Pope said, oh, you can't get divorced, right, I want to get divorced. Right. So he basically made everybody to be Protestants. But a certain form of Protestant, the Anglican form, um, in John Calvin, in Switzerland, and in parts of France, that took a different form of Protestantism, which basically inspired most of the Protestant churches today in America. The evangelical churches, the non-denominational churches, the Baptist churches, um, all were inspired initially by John Calvin, more than huh. they were by John. By so Martin he was just Luther. this giant personality that... John Calvin, Yeah, who, Absolutely. Took, who just took on a theology of his own. Well, he was inspired by Martin Luther, agreed with Martin Luther in opposition to the Roman Church quite a bit, but he took it even further than Martin Luther did. Um, and so John Calvin um, set up um, a theocracy, really. And the word theocracy means that you basically run your society through your religion. And mm. so in Geneva, Switzerland, he set up a, a city and a, a government where basically the, the religious leaders led the government. Isn't that like Sharia law? Just though? like Sharia law. I mean, it's different theology than Sharia, right? but it's a theocracy like we see happening in Iran. That is so crazy sauce. Geneva, yeah. yeah, Switzerland was a theocracy for many years. Wow. And that's part no of the idea. Reformation. That's part of the breakaway from the Roman Church. And so the evangelical community here that's coming from that are really coming from the idea of a theocracy. They're coming more from the ideas of the theology of John Calvin, okay. not simply a theocracy. Okay. Um, they would say um, people of that Protestant sort of 
blend that their theology should influence the government, should influence the society. There was an early American preacher called John Winthrop who preached a sermon called um, uh, oh, compared America to a city on a hill. Some mm -hmm. of you have I've heard that, I've heard that mm -hmm. before. So in his sermon, he talks about how America now is to be a city set upon a hill, an example to the rest of the world with Christ at the center. And so today you'll hear people say that America is a Christian religion. Well, partly. What? John Winthrop would say, yeah. The, the people who started Massachusetts would say, yes. We are a Christian-centered society. Uh -huh. But there are many other influences in American democracy and American revolution that were not Christian. Thomas Jefferson was not a Christian. Um, there's a whole secular movement coming into the American experiment that merges with this Christian understanding. So we have inherent in our society this conflict between a theocracy kind of oriented society, a Christian oriented society, and a more secular enlightenment society. We see that worked out all the way through our American history, Absolutely. even to this very day. Yes. So we have people arguing about that. We're a Christian nation. No, we're not a Christian nation. You know, we are right. a nation of Christians, but not a Christian nation. Um, that would be people who would follow Jefferson and some of the enlightened thinkers who inspired our re revolution. Yeah, I, I come at uh, my study of history from the direction more of a Thomas Jefferson and more of a secular movement of the re revolution, mm -hmm. but it was not just that. Um, there was a significant Christian element to our revolution yes. that we some folks want to deny, but it was definitely part of it. I like to see it as a stream uh, of water, a river, mm -hmm. and there are different tributaries to that river, um, yeah. that stream, and we should be aware of those different contributions. Well, I mean, most people will say uh, America was set, founded on Judeo-Christian belief. And I've, I've always, you know, that was sort of fed to me. But then later you're like, well, there were a lot of people here. <laughs> I'm sure there were other ideas happening as well. Yeah. So, you know, back to the separation of church and state. So let's go back to, you've got the Reformation. and. Grace. So the Lutheran movement started in Germany, the northern part of Germany. And, you know, I think, I can't remember exact year, but the year there was a treaty that said whoever, uh, whichever religion the political ruler believed in, that's what that region would become. Mm -hmm. And most of Northern Germany became followers of Luther. They call themselves Evangelist Church or the Evangelical Church or the Good News Church. The word evangelical in Greek means good news, mm -hmm. the Good News Church. Mm -hmm. And they became state churches. So. Um, the, the agreement was that whatever the political leader, the prince or the king, or whoever it was, decided was going to be the religion, that would be the religion for everybody there. And if you wanted to go somewhere else, you'd go somewhere else and be a Roman Catholic or be a different religion. That's why Mary Queen of Scots got her head chopped off. Kind of. <laughs> yes, she, that was a little bit later. Yeah, uh, so same idea. <laughs> the, that same movement went up to Sweden. Um, the Swedish king adopted Lutheranism, and the whole country becomes Lutheran. And then Norway and Denmark... Iceland, mm. they all take on the Luther movement, mm. where in southern Germany became stayed Roman Catholic. Mm -hmm. England became Protestant not through that Lutheran mm -hmm. uh, understanding, but through Henry VIII wanting that divorce, and he took the uh, country away from the Roman Catholics. Well, style. 
I just love this. I'm yeah. really into history and I love understanding where things came from and what happened. And I'd like to understand from you listeners, you know, what have you gotten out of this conversation and what questions do you have? I mean, we have this encyclopedia of history, of church history here, and we'd love to get your questions and answer those specifically. So we just wanted to give you a big overview of the Reformation. Is there anything, you know, other important from that this topic that you want to talk about? Well, possibly. Um, you listeners have just gotten a little taste <laughs> of a major history out Western there. Western Civ 101. It's almost, yeah. it's almost, you know, a disservice to you to give you just a taste of this and, and not to have it fleshed out. But know that the Reformation was a major change in world history. Um, and it really ultimately is not just a religious movement. It is a political movement which separated politics from religion um, in time. It is something that has not happened in the Middle East. So some people have said that that's one reason the Middle East was held back in its history, mm -hmm. because it never really separated from its theology, where you have two different worlds, a secular world experimenting with all kinds of sciences. Um, that was set free by the Reformation. The Reformation mm. started that, separating church a bit from the secular world. Yeah. So, but it is um, what... Western Europe went through in the 1500s, mm, mm -hmm. where religion had taken too much authority and dominance of the political world, and it ended up in a huge, huge conflict, and there had to be a settlement. And, and that's basically what happened, is we became more secular as a society. But to your point, it, uh, the Roman Catholic Church held together society for a thousand years when it could have just become a barbaric state. Not that it would, I mean, you know, but could have dissolved, essentially. The Roman Catholic Church, up until the time of the Reformation, was the major institution of society for Western Europe. Mm. All right. Well, let's end there. Again, please send in your comments and thoughts and moreover questions. Um, we'd love to go into this more in depth um, on another episode. Thank you so much for listening.